Real estate is hard to come by these days. Inventory is at a minimum and prices are skyrocketing, but don't let that stop you from looking. If you're in the New York area and need a place to live, look no further than Mitch and Murray. Right now, there are fantastic properties available in both the Glengarry Highlands and Glen Ross Farms areas, and these fine folks can help you get the lot of your dreams. They'd also like to let you know that they're hiring. If you're a licensed professional in the real estate world, head into their office downtown and ask for Blake. With the mantra of ABC, which they didn't explain the acronym to me, but I can only assume stands for always be courteous, it's sure to be an awesome place to work. Right now, they're running a sales contest. First prize is a brand new Cadillac. Second prize, a set of steak knives for all you carnivores out there. And third prize isn't listed, but if my days of watching Nickelodeon game shows are any indication, I'm sure it's super cool, like a year's supply of Hershey's syrup or something. Mitch and Murray, where coffee is for closers. Now, to the rest of the show. All right, uh, Brad, number three for you. Uh, yeah, uh, my, one of my other favorites is uh, another film that I would have went after, um, which I was very, very excited to be a part of, which is uh, Pledge Night. Okay, Pledges, you'll be here for three days. Initiation's Monday night, if you make it through. <laughs> which is a uh, slasher film that begins like a sex comedy, like Animal House, and then turns into a weird supernatural slasher. Um, and it changes tones completely and becomes a different movie. And I, I, I don't know. I've always, I've always really liked this one it, just because it's, it, it, it's, it's raw. It, it, it feels like, uh, you know, like I said, Animal House just meets slasher film and um, really, really love it. It's, you know, it's it's got Joey Belladonna in it. It's got a couple songs by Anthrax. Um, it's super punk rock. The cover has uh, my girlfriend or my, not my, my, my significant other, I guess. We've been together forever. I don't even know. I, I'll just say my <laughs> wife. Uh, my wife absolutely hates this fucking poster because i have original poster of it and it's the hand coming out of a toilet holding a banana um and she fucking hates it it was in our bathroom for the longest <laughs> time uh when we lived at another place and now it is in my theater and she hates it every time she looks at it um she was like you have so many posters and you put up pledge night in the theater and i'm like hey I was like, it's one of my favorite movies. I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> yeah. She's like, it doesn't fit anything. Because I have, a, like, I think I have a, a original Final Tear poster, the class of 1999, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the, you know, the original movie, um, Trick or Treat, and then I have fucking Pledge Night. And um, Trick or Treat, the Gene Simmons, Ozzy Osbourne movie, not that Michael Doherty film. Uh, but yeah, no, she she hates that poster so much. Oh, and I have Last American Virgin. That's the other one too. Nice. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I I love Pledge Night. It's mean. It's it's super mean. Um, it's it's just a, like these kids are just having so much fun on screen, even though it looks like they're torturing each other. But um, it's one of those movies where you're kind of like, oh, I just wish they would have kept the Animal House uh, shenanigans going during Hell Week. 
and the slasher doesn't show up. And then you're like, oh, I love when this, you know, it's it's honestly one of those movies that I, I hear most people complain when the slasher element completely takes over. Um, just because they enjoy kind of the, the pranks and the meanness of, of the movie. They just want that instead, which, you know, I completely can can see that. But I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm very attached to this movie and I don't really have a lot of reasons. Like if someone says Pledge Night sucks, I can't really argue with you because it's like, okay, well, that's that's fine. I mean, I can understand why you think it sucks, uh, but I still love it. You know, it's it's, uh, you know, Paul Ziller, who who uh, directed the film, just really, you know, still adores it. Um, it is produced a, a, and written by a porn um, producer uh, and and writer uh, who is a woman, by the way, Joyce Snyder, who did the raw talent films and public affairs. Um, so, you know, she's, this is her, like, I think this is one of her last projects and, and, and she just, she made a supernatural slasher film and got anthrax to be <laughs> in it, which is pretty, a pretty rad way to kind of like go out. Um, but yeah, it's got some gnarly effects as acid Sid comes back. Um, but yeah, just, just a really fun group of people. Um, you know, I, I spoke to many of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, actors through the years, I, I think we only got, I think we got Robert Latini, maybe Lawton to do something, but I, I've, I've spoken with, uh, Todd Eastland and Dennis Sullivan, uh, through the years, uh, Stephen Young, who plays Rex, Arthur Lundquist. Um, I, I think we might have done an interview with Will Kemp too, who plays Acid Sid. Lundquist is on there. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, he plays Dan. He, I, I love his character just because he is he's so like insane in the in 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 the film. But yeah, th- those guys are, are are really great. Uh, Shannon Mann, who went on to do as a producer in New York, uh, making making films, indie films. Um, you know, and and Joey Belladonna was actually really cool. He didn't do an interview with us because Anthrax was starting up their next tour, but I got to talk to Joey and he was like, I kind of remember that movie. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I don't know if I would be able to do much. He's like, I would know I was in it. And, you know, we licensed some tracks through our, you know, our manager. Um, He's like, I remember it being fun and there was a lot of drinking, but other than that, he's like, I was only on set for like a day or two. And it, uh, it was very cool because he didn't like want to waste our time, you know, I, and I, I really admire that, even though it sucks not getting somebody like Joey Belladonna for an interview on your disc. Um, I really have a lot of respect for people that are like, you know, I don't really have much to say, you know, I don't want to waste your time, you know, and I, I'm pretty good at gauging that, too. Like, I'll I'll, I'll kind of prod them after they say that. Uh, just because to make sure that they aren't like downplaying it because that has happened before where people are like, Oh yeah, I don't, I, you know, I was only on set for like a week. I didn't do much. You know, you probably need to talk to this person, that person. I'll say, Oh yeah. You know, I, I, you know, respect that. That's cool. What did you do? You know? And then they'll start talking and I'll be like, Oh, then what happened? And then they'll start talking some more. And I was like, okay, you do have something to say. So let's do this interview. Joey Belladonna just didn't remember anything. (laughs) (laughs) So it it was probably during that crazy time of his life, uh, which is really, you know, pretty insane for anthrax. So rightfully so he, he, um, 
he respectfully passed. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we we had a blast putting that uh, package together. Uh, that was one of my very first early on uh, jobs. Um, I was just doing kind of side work uh, for for Vinegar Syndrome at the time. Um, uh, before I was fully brought on as kind of a producer and acquisitions, that was, I think the month that I was getting full, you know, yeah. Cause basically I was, I was brought in and like, Hey, we need to do this Amityville and angel set ASAP, <laughs> you know, and berserker and beyond the door uh, three, those were like, uh, the big titles that I, I worked on, um, and they were like, hey, yeah, we need, you know, we need a producer to do all this stuff. And I was like, okay, I'll try my best. <laughs> um, yeah. Worked that's out. when we were, yeah, just finishing up getting spookies, getting ready for that too, which uh, that was, that was one of my, because I was acquiring some films for Vinegar Syndrome, um, you know, way before, uh, you know, I would say probably around the... I would say around maybe the pets, uh, sweet, sweet back days. Um, you know, I was, I was trying to get my kind of foot in the door to, to do, uh, you know, um, acquisitions. Cause I was, I was already doing stuff like when I was brought in for the undertaker, which was pretty early on. That was like around the Jack Frost, uh, you know, uh, that was the Jack Frost days. So I was brought in like around that time. I, I mean, I was talking to Vinegar Syndrome all the way back to, you know, Night Train to Terror. And then, um, you know, kept a pretty good relationship. And I was just, you know, I, I, I was talking to them about like stuff that I, I've done, I, I can do, like I, I know things, <laughs> you know, I'm not full of shit. Let me prove it to you. And it all came with The Undertaker. They're like, okay, well, since you know, like these lost films and footage, like we need this uh, version that's uncut for pledge or pledge for undertaker. And if you could find it, that's great. And I worked on it for a couple months and I found the footage and it got reinserted and, you know, everybody was happy. And then I was like, it was, it was so funny. Cause I, I said, you know, I would like to do acquisitions cause I know, I know, you know, some rights and, and film prints. I like, I know where elements are. And, um, they were like, okay, well, you, you know, get us a list together and come, come back with it. And I, 24 hours later, I had five movies and I was like, well, here's the rights, here's the material. And they're like, oh shit. Okay. Um, well let's go ahead and, and, and do this. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I can do, you know, whatever else. And, um, that's kind of like how spookies came about. Cause I, I said, I said, you know, I always hear this story about Spookies, about how it's just, you know, like impossible. And w what does that really mean? I've never really like kind of looked into it. And it was just like, well, you know, the producer's just gone. The owner. And I was like, oh, well, that sounds easy. I'll just fucking find it, <laughs> you know, and that's exactly what I did. And that's when Spookies was coming out around the same time as, you know, Amityville and an angel and all that. So yeah, uh, after that, they, I was just kind of brought in board full time. Uh, Cause I've been, I've, I've been studying this stuff since I was like, you know, 12. <laughs> I've been reading about sure. stuff and, and, and contacting filmmakers, you know, pretty much all my life, you know? And I, it was, it was really cool because I think, I mean, I always would tell them how old I was and they were just kind of, you know, uh, this was a time it was way different than it is now. I mean, um, 
these people weren't being contacted at all. Uh, you know, when I was, uh, you know, uh, 24 years ago, <laughs> you know, uh, even 20 years ago, 15 years ago, these filmmakers weren't getting contacted about stuff that they've done. You know, that, that this is definitely more recent in the past, like 10 years. Uh, now they block people because they get, you know, overwhelmed by people talking to them. Uh, but yeah, I, I started at a time when it was, you know, they were very excited you know, that a young kid was contacting them. And I made a lot of good friends and still friends to this day, um, you know, and still still chat with people. And like even, you know, Mark Ezra, the writer of Slaughter High, is still a good good pal of mine. And, you know, he, he helped me even mold a script that I was writing when I was like 15. You know, he read it and tweaked it for me, you know, and he let me read the Slaughter High 2 script at the time. And I was just like, that was one of my favorite movies. Um, uh, still is one of my favorite slasher films. And it was just, you know, him and I had a really good relationship and, you know, he introduced me to certain people, you know, like, uh, George Dugdale, Carolyn Monroe. And, you know, I've just, I've just had, I've all, I was always just wanting to be friends with these people because I idolized them. You know, I want, I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to, make movies. I wanted to write about these movies. I wanted to show people these movies. I've always been like that. And, you know, I, vinegar syndrome just saw that, I guess, potential that, you know, I was able to kind of bring to the table when that's, I guess, essentially why I was hired. I don't know why I was hired. <laughs> Probably because I bugged <laughs> them too much, <laughs> but no, I, I, I love, I love those guys. I, I love my boss and bosses and everybody in the company. We just get along very very well and we all love the same shit and weird shit uh we're all pretty fucked up um yeah and it's a we have a wonderful wonderful family at vinegar syndrome and i couldn't be more thankful for anything in my life so yeah it's a it's a wonderful experience but yeah pledge night it's awesome (laughs) that's super cool this is one that i haven't seen yet and uh i think you sold me on it with the animal house turns into a slasher description yeah i think i gotta i gotta pick this one up that's that's how i pitch it i always like if i do a booth or anything i always tell like you know chris who packs the stuff i'm like hey make sure you give me like 25 pledge nights because i can fucking sell that and it's just like hey here's a punk rock movie it's animal house meets a slasher film with a soundtrack by anthrax and people are always like holy shit you know it's like (laughs) yeah of course i said holy shit too when i fucking found (laughs) out I mean, it's just like, there's nothing else to say. Like, that's it. And it's it's an automatic sell. I'm going to go in a uh, in a different direction for my number two. This is my, probably the most fun that I've had with a Vinegar Syndrome blind buy. Because this one I had never heard of, and I bought it just on the strength of the art. This is Death Row Game Show from 1987. Of course you know who he is. It's time for... How you feeling? I'm a little nervous, Chuck. Before you lose your head, we'll give you a chance to win some money for your family. Well, I never thought he'd amount to anything. Here we go. Welcome to the wonderful world of Death Row Game Show. Anyone on Death Row can be a contestant. Man or woman, young or old, I do not discriminate. <laughs> you killed my mom. She was pretty old anyway. 
There are people out there who hate me. There are people in here who hate you, too. That man had a gun! So does this man. Jackie, do you, do you ever have sex with your contestants before they go on your show? The name of this segment is Hunger or Lust. This one is so much fun. The, the title is very literal. It's about a game show called Live or Die, in which death row inmates participate in these deadly games in order to either win prizes for their family or to move back their execution dates. I gotta tell you, like up until this movie, Damon Killian from The Running Man was always my favorite movie game show host, but John McCafferty as Chuck Todan is so perfect as this douchebag game show host that he has by far overtaken that ranking for me. I love a good satire. Death Row Game Show is probably even more powerful now than it was in 1987 because reality TV wasn't even really a thing then. And you can watch TV now and you see shit like Who's Your Daddy or A Lie Detector, these like fucking insane reality TV shows in which you see people's lives ruined in front of our eyes and you have to wonder, like, why would anybody sign up to host this shit? And that's exactly what Chuck Toden is dealing with in this movie. There are games like you have to watch a convict run through a fire obstacle course while carrying cans of gasoline in each hand. Gambling on whether uh, somebody taking a guillotine to the neck, like whether your uh, whether your head will fall into the basket or not. And in an all-time classic scene, there's a game where they have this dude strapped to a chair with a motion detector strapped to his dick. And then they have a stripper dance in front of him. And if he gets a hard on, he gets electrocuted. And there's a really funny payoff for that. As you know, 9899 here has a tiny motion detector connected to the end of his wang dang doodle. This movie is super sleazy. It's very cheesy. It is something that would probably never be able to be made today. And it's filled with jokes that like definitely wouldn't make it past the first pass on a screenplay. But if you take it as a satirical time capsule, it is so fun. And John McCafferty as Chuck Toden is just, it, he's absolutely perfect. Again, the disc looks great. Tons of extras. Um, the director, there's a bunch of short films on here by the director, Mark Pirro, uh, a commentary. And it even has the director's cut of the film. Like I said, I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen this film before, so I didn't know the difference going in. But what a surprise for me. Death Row Game Show, just such a fun movie. And this is one, you know, drink a couple beers, or smoke a little bit. This one is just going to, it's going to be great with a crowd. It's just so fucking out there. This is the one movie I do not care for. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of this movie at all. Yeah, it, it's it's so funny. We, because we, I mean, we, you know, not every, like, I'm one of those people that's pretty brutally honest about our films, you know, and I, I will tell yeah. people if I don't like something or I like something. Um, you know, I guess as a an employee, you're supposed to champion everything you do, just like how you're at a, you're a waiter at a restaurant. You would, you would say all the food is good. Um, even if you don't <laughs> like it. Uh, but no, I, I'm pretty honest about stuff. I mean, of course, not every film we release is gold. Like some of them are pretty bad. Some of them are really great. Some of them are masterpieces. Some of them are fine. Uh, I don't like death row game show at all. And I know a lot of people like it. It just it just doesn't do it for me. I've seen it twice, and um, I just I just like I don't. It doesn't hit me. And that's fair. Yeah, I prefer Running Man. 
Yeah, Running Man's <laughs> a great film too. Yeah, I I know exactly why this wouldn't hit for some people. For me, it just uh, hit all the right notes. It's very. It has silly. everything that I should like. I just I don't know. <laughs> I just I just don't care for the movie. That's okay. That's okay. So I have nothing to say about Death Row Game Show <laughs> at all. For once, I won't talk about it. <laughs> all good. I love it. Watch the trailer on uh, on YouTube. Oh, if the trailer hits. Movie. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pe- people love Death Row Game Show. I've been told it's a favorite by a lot of people. It's just, I, it's just not my thing. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give it another shot in a few years. Maybe like another 10 years or something, I'll give it another shot. I just, it just doesn't hit me. And I, I mean, a lot of films are like that with me. Like some things I watch, watch 10 years later, 15 years later in love. You know, it's just your taste changes. Sure. Maybe, maybe it will hit me eventually, but not at this, not at this point in my life. Or when I first saw it, when I was like, you know, probably 17 or 16 years old. Oh, that's okay. You got like hundreds of movies in the vault. Not everyone is going to. Uh, oh yeah. Not everyone's yeah, yeah. going to scratch that itch. Absolutely. All right, Brad. Number two for you. It's always hard for me to choose five, uh, but I will um, say uh, mix it up a little bit uh, based off what Vinegar Syndrome kind of started out and one that they championed for a lot is uh, hardcore, uh, you know, porn. Um, one of my favorite movies that we've released that has dealt with uh, the hardcore scene is uh, I still think it's one of the best out there. Not even just something that we've released is uh, hot and saucy pizza girls. The country girl pizza parlor has very high standards. And since I do the hiring, I feel that I should check your references closely. Okay, fall in. Oh, come on. That's not falling in. Come on, straighten up. Come on, stomach's in, asses out, tits out. I gotta explain everything. Sloppy. All right, you're looking better. Shaky. Here, sir. Gino. Hey. Celeste. Here, sir. Anchovy. Here, sir. You'll learn. All right, I got orders going out. I got a large mushroom, pepper, saucy tit cheese. Gino. Look at her. Only a matter of time. You're sagging already. Watch out. All right, come on. Quit the, quit the chamber. One new convention here. Special. Shaky. Yeah. Don't fall off your board this time. It's more than one guy. She likes sandwiches. I, uh, you know, I, I, I think Bob Chin is uh, an incredible director. Uh, he's, he's someone that legit, he went to film school. He went to UCLA. And, uh, you know, he graduated. Um, and he's, he's a graduated from UCLA, got into making films and he just, he just knew like how to one capture like the art of the movie, but also, you know, making a hardcore film. Uh, he is one of the reasons why I got into hardcore films because, you know, growing up and, and, and watching your parents, uh, you know, collection of pornography or catching, uh, you know, the scrambled stations or even finding, you know, any other porno, you know, we're, we're so used to uh, a couple lines of a scenario and then a sex scene, a couple lines, a scenario and a sex scene. Um, Bob Chin really showed me that you're able to make a movie 
but have sex in it. And that was something that I really like about hardcore films. I don't really care for the 80% sex, 20% story uh, sex films. That's not really my thing. If I'm going to watch that, I'm just going to watch, you know, clips of porno on the internet like every <laughs> other person. Um, but when I want to watch a movie, like I, I want to feel like I'm watching a movie. I don't want to feel like I'm watching just a bunch of people have sex for, you know, an hour and a half. Um, there is a time for that, but not when it comes to this type of, uh, you know, film and cinema. Uh, and yeah, it showed me that in the 70s and 80s, that's what was done. You know, even in the nine, you know, some films in the nineties and stuff. I mean, they're still trying to bring that back. Uh, you know, with like, um, uh, I just forgot everybody's names. Uh, there's there's a couple of filmmakers uh, that are kind of doing that now, um, trying to you know do more stories. Like uh, Digital Playground does that with more stories than you know they still have sex, of course. But yeah, definitely story driven. But anyways. Uh, yeah, Bob Chin really showed me that you're able to capture like this whole cinematic universe, but also, you know, have sex. And Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls is one of those movies where, you know, it's just an hour and 10 minutes. And it is if you took all the hardcore out of the film, you still have a movie. You still have like a 45 minute movie of this quirky teen comedy in a way. It, it feels like a teen sex comedy. And, uh, you know, it's super cute. It, it's weird. Um, it's really funny at times. And, you know, it has a, a great cast. You know, we won't mention John Holmes because he was a, you know, an idiot. But you know, John <laughs> Holmes, is in it. he's actually decent in it. And I mean, honestly, that's how Bob Chin got his big career because he created the Johnny Wad character, which, you know, uh, John Holmes played Johnny Wad for years in, in, in multiple films. And I've spoken to Bob many times about his, his films. I just appreciate it. But yeah, it has Paul Thomas and the lovely, wonderful uh, Desiree Cousteau. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's a pizzeria that's uh, going out of business. And if you special order pizza, you'll have a woman come to your house and deliver more than pizza <laughs> and uh they're trying to be sunk by a fried chicken uh company that has figured out what they're doing and tries to shut them down and that guy is a loony bin that's out of control trying to shut them down but yeah it's a it's a really fun it's a, it's a good gateway movie into uh hardcore cinema because i i do think the natural thing to think is like oh i don't want to watch a porno and you are, it is still a porno, but you're watching a lot more than that. And, um, you know, it, it's a good stepping stone in that direction. If, if you're not a prude or you don't want to watch that stuff, that's fine. You know, no one, no one, if you don't want to watch porno, that's completely fine. But uh, I will say that, you know, this is a good film to, as a, as a, as a stepping stone to kind of get into that genre of things because you are missing actually legitimately well shot and well-made films. You know, it's the same thing as gay cinema, you know, gay hardcore films. Um, you know, if you think that a bunch of gay people, uh, gay men can't make a beautiful movie, then you're absolutely incorrect. I mean, <laughs> those, those guys always made beautiful and well-made movies. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, 
it's it's such a it's just a lost piece of of uh and i completely get it if people don't want to watch it there's no harm no foul on that you know i i I don't i'm not gonna push that stuff on anybody but you really are missing out you know hot and sauce pizza girls is a comedy but there's so many like great films and we've released a lot of you know uh great uh, hardcore uh, uh, films that really based on story and and they're shot extremely well, lit really well. Um, the editing is is really great, um, and then some that are just straight up sex. But Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls is just a it's a really really well made and really fucking funny movie, and it's cute, it's weird, it's quirky, um, it's really 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 good, and. Um, it it's one of the movies, like I said, that really got me into this stuff, and I gained a new appreciation for it. And um, yeah, no, it got me into hardcore cinema. That's an interesting pick. I uh, I have the subscription that does not include the hardcore titles, uh, but the cool thing about Vinegar Syndrome is that you can get the subscription that includes the hardcore titles. So you can get the everything, or you can get the stuff without the. You can get the subscription without the hardcore stuff. And I think that uh, Sex World was the first 4K hardcore release that you guys put out, right? Just recently? Yeah, the first one, and I think we're the first ever. That's so cool. I'm pretty sure we're the first company to release a 4K hardcore porno. I think so. If we're not, let me know. But um, <laughs> fuck it. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll take the credit while we yeah. can. But yeah, you know, we do have a lot of just, you know, sex films in there. But yeah, there's... There's stuff like frat house, high school fantasies, you know, public affairs, which I mentioned about Joyce Snyder. We, we've released public affairs. Yeah. Um, there's just some really wild titles in there that are just really, really good. That just, you know, uh, really take uh, back. The sex takes a back seat um, and, and the cinema takes the front seat. And those are the ones that I like, you know, um, I'm I'm more interested in that because it feels like I'm actually watching a movie. Not sure. Fucking. Well, there you go. If you're ready to dip your toes into the hardcore area, Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls is a good starting point for that. All right, Brad, we're on to the grand finale here for me. And when I started compiling my list, this was always at number one for me because this is one of my favorite, weird, bizarre films of all time. And there was never a great way to see it. And it's from 1994. It's called Tammy and the T-Rex. Everything in Tammy's life is just great. But when you're young and in love, life can get very complicated, especially when it involves an insanely jealous creep. That's my lady, all right? Late night phone calls. I want you to come over. Yes! Sneaking around in your own house. Did you lock the door? Don't worry. Your boyfriend getting dumped in a wild animal park. And a crazy doctor. Well, that's it. Who turns out to be a mad scientist. And if you're going to make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs, right? <laughs> With an insane invention that only needs a brain. Yes! But this Tyrannosaurus Rex just wants to be a party animal. <laughs> I fucking love Tamming the T-Rex. So... Just a little background. Back in the day, maybe like 2012, 2013, I had a YouTube channel 
about insane, crazy movies. And Tammy and the T-Rex was one of my very first videos that I made. And the only way to watch this was on YouTube, there was a very, very low quality Italian VHS rip. And I loved it so much because there, there was like a PG-13 version that you could see in better quality, but this rated R, like gory version, there was no way to buy this. Like, where do I even start with Tammy and the T-Rex? This comes right after Jurassic Park. So dinosaurs are everywhere. And this honestly feels like a movie that was written because the filmmakers just had access to an animatronic T-Rex. That's exactly why it was made. <laughs> yeah. The fun starts instantly because the film's title card is Tanny and the T-Rex with ends. And then in the opening crawl, Denise Richards' character of Tammy is like credited as Tanny. So you don't even know, like the film doesn't even know what it's called because in the end credits, she's Tammy. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of like the level set of how weird this movie is. And it starts off like a pretty normal teen film. You'd be like, Paul Walker is in there. That's something I didn't even mention. Paul Walker, young Paul Walker in this. Uh, there's another kid named Billy, and they're both vying for Denise Richards' heart. And that's when things kind of go off the rails. Because normally, you're, you're watching a teen movie, and things would... Like, the feud would go pretty innocently at school. But in this one, they have a fight where these two guys just grab each other's dick. It's like a dick grab-off. And after school, they trap Paul Walker in a lion cage, and he's mauled into a coma. So, like, already you know this thing is weird as shit. But it only gets more bizarre because this mad scientist finds his body and then transfers Paul Walker's brain into an animatronic T-Rex. And then Paul Walker's brain uses the T-Rex as a way to start getting revenge against those who killed him in, like, crazy, gory ways. And at the same time, he's trying to convince Denise Richards that this T-Rex is actually Paul Walker. There's also, you've got um, Denise Richards' best friend, who looks like every stereotype of any Wayans Brothers character that they've ever played rolled into one. And <laughs> once they, like, they're yeah. all of a sudden, they're convinced that Michael is actually, like, this is the Walkersaurus Rex. Uh, they attempt to find a new body to transplant his brain into, so they go to a morgue, and they're just at the morgue, like, picking a new body on penis size. It's bizarre it's so fun it's so wacky it has one of the weirdest final scenes you will ever see in a movie uh and this disc is incredible because it has the pg-13 cut but it also has the gore cut and if you've never seen tammy and the t-rex start with the gory cut it's incredible the, it looks great obviously um tons of interviews audio commentary on the disc but and it's 4K. It was, I think it was one of the first 4K releases, if not the first 4K release, Vinegar Syndrome put out. So I love Tammy and the T-Rex. It's so good. First 4K release, and I thought it was super funny that we did that. Um, just because I kind of <laughs> felt like, I mean, obviously it was, you know, we, we really needed to look into the 4K stuff because that is kind of the future. And, and you know, obviously we're... We're film restoration preservationists and we got to keep up with the times and, you know, the tech is out there and it does look better. And we just wanted to make sure that, you know, uh, one that are, um, you know, in order to do 4K perfectly, you know, you want to have that original negative that's in good shape 
or the IP that's in, you know, really good shape. Um, so uh, we were able to, you know, do that with, um, you know, with Tammy. And I, I thought it was hilarious that we were doing a 4K UHD. Our first 4K UHD was Tammy the T-Rex, which I kind of felt like it was kind of funny and trolling at the same time. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously the, the picture quality was, was, was perfect and it just made sense, uh, to do it with, with this film. And plus, you know, it was getting a lot of, a lot of buzz because, you know, uh, when we were acquiring it, it was, they did a couple screenings of like, you know, VHS at a couple theaters with the gore cut that was, you know, existed. And I think someone had a print, I think Phil Blankenship had a print of the, of the gore cut and he screened it somewhere and it kind of blew up. Yeah. At the new Bev. Yeah. We, we were kind of, uh, you know, obviously it was already on our radar and we were working on it. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was fun. That was one of the titles that, you know, that was coming out around the time I was brought on board. And, uh, I know we had George Pilgrim, um, and, 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 and Stewie, uh, part of it. And, you know, of course he had Diane part of his and, I was like, well, I, I know Sean, I can do Sean Whalen. I said, actually, I know Denise Richards. <laughs> and they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I think I can get Denise to do this. I've spoken to her before and I know her agent pretty well. I, she did an interview and she did a great job, but I didn't get to talk to her. I just spoke to her agent, which I knew because we were pals. I don't think he told her what the what the interview was for because <laughs> <laughs> i think he was just like oh yeah i'll get denise to do this for you cool and then i think she was like he was like hey can you do this interview you know brad's gonna write you know write the questions i think joe you know joe conducted an interview or whatever and um i was i don't think she knew because I was watching the interview and I was like, oh man, I don't think she knows what she's getting into. Like this. <laughs> so it's, it, she's still like, obviously she, she likes the movie. She just knows it's super weird, but I don't think she was prepared for it, which is kind of a funny behind the scenes thing. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, the movie's wild. I mean, yeah. Stewie had, uh, it was co-produced by a, 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 a amusement park owner. Um, and, uh, a couple other people and he was just, he was just getting his hands into everything cause he liked money and he had a dino in storage for like three days. And he asked Stu if he, Stewie, if he <laughs> wanted to make a movie around it. And he said, yeah. And they made it. And it's like super weird and bizarre. Doesn't make any sense. Special effects, the gore stuff that you, that were, was cut for years, you know, Buchler did, um, you know, John Carl Buchler and, it was just this really weird movie. And honestly, like, I, you know, I, I, when we were doing it, everybody's like, oh, yeah, the movie, the PG-13, this awful movie, but yeah, the gore cut. And I was like, I actually like the movie. I don't think it's that bad. I think I think it's just super weird. And, you know, this is the fucking oh, yeah, director of Mac and Me. Like, it's like Mac and Me. It's like, the movie's not bad. It's just weird as shit. You know, and it's just like, I don't think it's a bad movie. You can even cut out the gore. I still think it kind of holds up. Um, you know, and, and it's in its weirdness. It's not a, like a good movie. Like I said, it's not a good movie. It's just like, this is super weird. And I actually don't think it needs the gore to be funny and weird. It just adds an it just adds another element and another layer to the film. Um, but yeah, no, no, I, I, I really like Tammy. I'm glad people enjoy it. Um, obviously it was a, 
you know, a big thing for us getting into 4k. It was, you know, a big title for us. We, you know, we, we screened, uh, the 4k, you, uh, the new transfer of the gore cut at fantastic fest that premiered there. We had a big screening for it. Um, you know, we had some people show up, um, you know, it went over really well. I got to watch it with the audience for the first time. And, um, yeah, I was just, I was really happy with kind of the response to it and how people got it. You know, they understood. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of stuff came after that movie too. Um, stuff that I wish we could have, you know, if we ever do like do a re-release of it, there's some stuff we found out and some people I would love to interview that came up after the fact. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, because I, I eventually, because it was, I like I said, I was brought in a little bit later, but I was doing some stuff for um, Shudder for Joe Bob um, because they screened it on that and they contacted me about some of the stuff. And I said, yeah, I said, I can find that out. And, you know, I did, but I found out some other crazy shit about the movie. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, we need to have interviews for this stuff because these stories are insane about the production. And I met the production manager and she was telling me all these fucking crazy stories. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, we need to put this on the disc. Somehow let's re-release Tammy and and do additional interviews because these stories are insane. I, I talked to the to the, uh, the children of the uh, guy that owned the dinosaur and the, the, uh, amusement parks. And they had some crazy ass stories about their dad in this movie. Um, and then eventually, you know, the dinosaur was found like it's at a, a park still. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. It ended up in Texas and then it ended up somewhere else. I can't really remember where it ended up, but it's, it is somewhere. Uh, it's still, still a live action dinosaur, uh, being used at a park. But yeah, no, it's just this like crazy ass story. I, I want to get a camera and go to that park and and do like a new featurette. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's just this super wild movie. I, I fucking love it. It's weird. When I was coming up with my list, never did anything else touch number one. Tammy and the T Rex, number one by far. I'm I'm pretty predictable. So uh, I, I if anybody follows me on Twitter or whatever through the years, they'll know what my number one movie is. So pretty boring um because <laughs> i i really don't change uh my, my all-time favorite vinegar syndrome release is the telephone book um from 1971 hello there i'd like to talk to you very seriously for a moment about your beautiful tits what you are about to see can only be described as frank adult entertainment i just can't tell you how busy i am I uh, made dirty calls uh, because I'm a creep. It was only a phone call, but it was a work of art. What line of work are you in? Perhaps the greatest tag movie star of all time. Uh, what precisely does that image suggest to you? State of Maryland. You're really strange. I was able to, to think out my problem. And understand why I wanted to call her pretty girls and say, dick a lick. You know, it, it's written by one of the writers on SNL, um, who, who he did this movie before SNL. He, he did this movie in 1971. Uh, Nelson Lyon uh, sadly passed away. Uh, maybe I think Nelson died like in the 90s, maybe. 
Actually, no, no, no. I'm sorry. He died in like the 2000s. He died shortly, I think, after this, after Vinegar Syndrome released the movie. Um, but yeah, he 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 wrote the telephone book. He also wrote The Baron, which was a popular kind of black exploitation movie. And then he went on to do SNL for a few years. Um, but yeah, it's the only movie he ever uh, made, and he produced another uh, movie. It was. Um, uh spike of uh spike of bensonhurst which was uh directed by um uh, paul morrissey uh starred sasha mitchell from step by step oh also in class of 99 part two <laughs> yeah yeah also like he ruined his career because he beat the shit out of his wife and he's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyways yeah ernest ernest borgnine but anyways um yeah he he uh, nelson lyon Wrote and directed uh, the telephone book stars the uh, super cute and multi-talented and now teacher, uh, Sarah Kennedy, um, who wasn't in very many movies. She's in Working Girls and, and Future Cop, the, the, the uh, TV series. Um, but she, yeah, she did some TV and stuff like that. Um, and she did a lot of TV, actually. But yeah, she was in a few movies. This is her first movie ever, though. Um, she plays the lead. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I first saw the telephone book through vinegar syndrome. Um, you know, cause it was when, uh, I saw night train to terrorist coming out and, um, you know, I contacted vinegar syndrome cause I was writing for sites at the time. And I said, yeah, it's like, I, I can't believe that night train to terror exists on Blu-ray. I would, you know, I, I saw some of the other titles. I was familiar with some of the stuff that was on DVD and, I said, you know, I would love to, you know, watch these like newer stuff and talk about the transfers. So I was always really into creating my own company. I just, you know, this is completely right up my alley. Um, so they sent me the telephone book and, of course, some of their other titles like Massage Parlor Murders and Labor of Love and Punk Vacation, shit like that. And um, I watched the telephone book for the first time. And I just, oh, man, I, I was just I fell in love with it. I just I, I adored the movie. It's 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 before its time. It's 1971. It's this sex um erotic film without the hardcore stuff. Um, it's super cute, very very cute. Sarah Kennedy is adorable. Um, it's it's dirty, uh, but it doesn't really push too many limits. It's um, just quirky. It's just fun. You know, it's just a really good time. It's it's a perfect movie to watch, like with a girl that you're interested in, because it's it's a it's very sexy at the same time. Yeah. It's a sexy movie. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's really well made. Um, and it's, uh, you know, black and white. It's uh, basically this obscene phone caller who calls this girl um, and she actually gets off on on what he says and she kind of falls in love with this obscene phone caller and she wants to track him down because she feels something for him which is absurd you know like <laughs> this is a felony um but yeah it's uh, it's this really like weird and quirky movie and i i just adore it and i i, I love it and i quickly became super duper obsessed with this movie you know i i i uh they had like this I bought like this huge book that Nelson Lyon put together before his death. Um, you know, you could buy it like through, through his like website. I forget what website I got it through, but yeah, I have that. I have the original poster. 
um you know i just i like when when i when i get into something like if i obsess over something i like i really really obsess over it and i just like try to consume every like piece of information i try to track down everything and i even tracked down like sarah kennedy because she she wasn't on the disc because she kind of disappeared but she actually became a teacher and um i talked to her um about about the film and she's very apprehensive at first but you know she knew i wasn't being weird about anything i was just you know i like to like that's what i like to do i like to contact you know just say hey you know i you know is this this person or like oh yeah and i was like i just wanted to say i'm a huge fan of the you know your work and you know i'm just kind of curious about you know write any questions i had about the production and things like that i've done that for you know over 25 years um to people writing between writing handwritten letters and writing emails and messages and stuff like that writing on forums and <laughs> writing on uh, directors websites when they actually had those um you know now because there's too many crazy people out there um but yeah no i i just i, I just love the movie and i honestly i have never met anybody after i've recommended it that doesn't like it i don't think it's one of those movies where i think people think it's a hardcore movie and it's not, I just, I don't think they understand that. And it's just this really like, it's a sexploitation movie without like any real teeth, but it is dirty. Um, and that's what I like about it. Like it's, it's not mean. It's not like cringy. Like, even though it's an obscene phone caller, like it's not dirty like that. It's, it's, it's dirty in the sense of content, but not dirty in the sense of sleazy. And sure. it's, it sounds it, like if you read the back, like, oh, obscene phone caller, like, what do you like? Is it like the shit that they say in Black Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, no, no, it's like, you know, it is dirty, but it's like it's it's kind of a story about true love, too. And it's really weird. It, it's it really balanced. It's a perfect movie that balances kind of, uh, you know, sexploitation, but not really going overboard. Uh, it's and it's mind blowing that this guy only wrote run one script and directed one movie, or not wrote one script. He did, you know, of course, Saturday Night Live and The Baron, but that he didn't have a bigger career, I should say. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I just I love 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 the telephone book to to no end. And anytime I I used to do like you know before I started working at VS, I would do like uh, for every Black Friday. And halfway to sale, I would do a buying guide. And <laughs> I would just always have the telephone <laughs> book as number one. And even when I do online stuff, every every time now that I even work and give recommendations of stuff that I like, I always add the telephone book. I'm sure people are super tired of that. But it's just a film that I adore and I still think is, you know, pretty underseen. Well, there you go. Telephone book. If you're looking for your next monologue for your acting class, too, there's a great monologue that you can that you can take from this one uh, about a banana, which is uh, pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> yeah. There's also um, a really crazy animated section in the film, too, which is like comes out of nowhere. And it's bizarre, but definitely worth a watch. Yeah. You know, the animated sequence is just fucking great. Like it really it, it also takes that turn. Like you just don't you don't expect it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and that, that's probably the dirtiest part of the movie is yeah. the animated sequence and because it gets a little filthy, but it's animated. So it kind of gets a free pass, but that's like the dirtiest part of the movie. Yeah. You'll never look at skyscrapers the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you get to watch the, um, 
what's his uh william hickey who plays uh the the uncle in christmas vacation has a massive boner in the movie who plays the <laughs> grandpa or uncle that smokes that sets the fruit tree on fire and yeah yeah <laughs> so weird uh yeah yeah no, i know i love i love the movie so much Great list. I'm going to run them down, run them back real quick, five to one. So mine were Candy Snatchers, Action USA, Beastmaster, Death Row Game Show, and Tammy and the T-Rex. Brad had Severed Arm, House of the Dead, Pledge Night, Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls, and The Telephone Book. Thanks so much for coming on, Brad. This was a really, really fun show. If you haven't seen any Vinegar Syndrome titles, now you have 10 that you can go and check out. And we didn't double up. Either. It's true. I know yeah, that's that's, that's cool. cool. And we ran like a full kind of gamut of the uh, of the genres, which was nice too. In terms of what Vinegar Syndrome has coming out, I know that there have been some things that are announced of those things that have already been announced for the future. Like what's something that you're most excited for? Yeah, I mean our recent uh our recent releases um is Killer's Delight, which I talked about with Jeremy um on the film which I was really, really happy with the outcome of Killer's Delight. It was a film that I, 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 I worked on that for a very long time, about a year and a half, uh, close, you know, maybe two years uh, of, of getting getting the rights and getting material for that and working with Jeremy, who's a very, very sweet, sweet man um, who's very appreciative. Of, still looks like he's in his 50s, but he made that movie and he's fucking like, like in the 71 or some shit i i saw like i was expecting to see this little old man and he's in the you know the dock of beastmaster i was like how old is this fucking guy like what is he like paul rudd like i don't understand he looks like he's in his fucking 50s in incredible shape but anyways yeah he did a commentary to interview for the film uh, uh marilyn toma who wrote the film who uh, is a grammy winner um uh she 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 wrote the film and she's in it and marty marty spear who is probably most well known and from the hills have eyes as uh as the one of survivor who has the ending shot of smashing the head uh with the rock beating beating the <laughs> after he saves the baby um uh bud botham who uh shot the film uh he's uh you know he did an interview i mean all these people are super fucking old and it was just it was really cool to get um you know and they're so with it like bud was great um marty is just over appreciative of everything you know and he walked away from you know filmmaking in general you know uh, all together uh but yeah it was a great package to put together the lamp which um we're happy to re-release the film and have footage that was not in uh, the previous Blu-ray. Um, uh, it was a bare bones disc as well. And we were happy to put together a, yeah, how long the doc is maybe 45 minutes, 48 minutes, um, you know, with the lead Andra St. Albani, who was only in this one film, who was the lead. Uh, yeah. You know, the uh, producer, uh, uh, writer of the film, Warren Chaney and his wife, Deborah, uh, who I had no idea were married uh, during the production. I had no idea they were married until I contacted them because I, I called Warren and left them a message. And then I called Deborah and she's like, Hey, you just called my husband. And I was like, what? And she's like, you called Warren. And I was like, Oh fuck, you're married. And I was like, that's crazy. I had no idea. And it turned out to be this, like it, it what's great about the uh, features. And obviously it's in there. Cause I, I, you know, I, I really want to, I, 
and Rebecca Howard is also one of my top wonderful. She's amazing, amazing editor. Please hire her for everything you, you want edited. But she's, she's wonderful at doing, doing this stuff. And I told her, I was like, you know, we were early stages of the production, a couple interviews and really not even shot interviews yet. It was just because I like to have conversations multiple times before we actually shoot the interviews just because I, I want to get the best. Um, and I want to know the direction of these things, too, because it's not just like, oh, we're going to slap all these interviews together. It's got to be like a through line, you know, um, went to film school, for Christ's sakes. You're not just going to slap things together. So I like to have some type of like linear story going on. And the big thing about the lamp is their family, like everybody, like they're all still in touch with one another. And, you know, Warren and Deborah were like parents to all these young kids. Um, and they loved them. I mean, still most of them kept in contact with one another. And the, you know, some of the kids stayed in touch uh, with each other and uh, even got to reunite some people uh, from the film. Um, even people we didn't, interview because they didn't want to be interviewed um you know that's the other thing is he learned so much from like behind the scenes stuff of people that didn't want to be interviewed uh but yeah we contacted contacted like two people that were active in the movie they don't want to be interviewed but they i got to reunite them with andra and a couple other people and they did a huge commentary on the film uh moderated by zach carlson which warren uh deborah and um oh brain fart uh barry coughing did a uh, uh, commentary together which is great um one of my favorite films which i know it's not going to be liked i know it's already reviews are coming in people hate it it's fine uh it's through the fire aka gates of hell 2 um i love through the fire so 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 much um but uh yeah it's just this really rad end of the world satanic panic movie that was made in the 80s and not released until the 90s uh without the director's knowledge of it being retitled gates of hell 2 and he had no idea who lucio fulci was when it was released under that title um but we were able to release his cut of the film because gates of hell 2 is also a different cut of the movie it's not his cut he had nothing to do with it um but yeah it's this uh you know regional horror film shot in texas by a bunch of friends um and uh it's one of those movies that goddamn i wish i could remake or make a sequel to because i think the underlying story of that movie um if you gave that movie a hundred thousand dollars it would have probably been this action epic movie but they filmed it for like two dollars and uh <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like there's so much fucking potential i just love i love the movie so much but yeah those are our most recent releases i mean prior to that we had our black friday titles uh you know the televised terror which you know i i hope people uh you know get into that um i know people didn't really care for the artwork and stuff on that one i think that was like a deterrent for people the movies are still great like you know yeah. um you know as another uh released film that was uh already on disc on dvd only was uh are you in the house alone which i got to do an interview with uh one of my favorite composers of all time charles bernstein uh, for that release. Um, another film where I talked to probably 10 people that made those movies and no one wanted to be a part of. <laughs> it was so depressing. Uh, you know, I even talked like talked to season Hubley like three times trying to talk uh. her into doing an interview. And she just, you know, she's so sweet and, you know, it kind of made a friend, uh, through her. And she actually texted me the other day. She's like, how's the movie doing? And I was like, well, 
be a part of the fucking interview, please. Like, why didn't you do it? But anyways, yeah, no, I, I had a lot of fun doing televised tear. I mean, the Cardona collection was uh, great to do. It was a little depressing because, you know, Cardona actually died um, during that whole process, which was pretty, uh, you know, horrific. Um, and my dad passed away, like, around the same time. Like, and I was like... Oh, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was just, like, a really, like, weird weird time is like you know i i've just got done talking to renee cardona the third well i'll just say Re- renee Cardona. there's no reason to drag it out to the third but anyways yeah renee was you know we were talking and it was like okay i'm gonna shoot all this stuff tomorrow and i was like cool and then like midday the next day i get a text from a friend who knew him said hey you know renee died last night in his sleep I'm like, what? Like, I literally just fucking talked to the guy like 12 hours ago and he fucking died during it. It really like really hit you. It's really weird. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I just like I still like I was looking at like even brought up the text, you know, of like saying thank you. And he's going to have, you know, the new interviews for us for the next next set. And just it just never happened. You know, it kind of really blew, you know, just losing somebody like that don't give a shit about the interviews. It's just, he, you know, died unexpectedly. That fucking sucks. Uh, but yeah, the Cardona collection is really great. You know, we had some cool interviews on that really great movies. I, I, I love, you know, Cyclone. I love Bermuda triangle. Uh, it's like, you know, Mexican cinnamon mixed with some Italian, um, you know, background. Like if, if yep. you, like, I still think Bermuda triangle, like, if you told me this is directed by Fulci, I, I would fucking believe you. Like, you know, <laughs> how it feels. And then Surf 2 is just a complete blast. Oh, my God. What? Like, that movie, that production of that whole, like, because we had made a doc about that, too. And it was just so insane because that movie is just so wild. And we have fucking four commentaries on that disc. Yeah. Oh two God. cuts of the movie, too. Yeah, no, it was just, it was so insane. And, you know, just having Eddie on a commentary. I did a commentary with, um, you know, with Randall on the, on his cut of the film. You know, we discussed, <laughs> we had no idea. We were, you know, acquired Surf 2 and we're doing it. And I called Randall and I was like, hey, you know, we're doing this. You're doing your movie. You want to be a part of it? And he's like, no, not really. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Like, I was like, you know how much people love this movie? And he's like, yeah, I understand, but I don't. And I was like, oh, shit. He was like, I like my cut. And I was like, oh, shit, what do you mean? And that's, we discovered he had a cut of the movie. We had no idea. Ah. And we had to track it down. And we tracked it down during that time. And um, we just knew there was only one print of it. There was no negative of it. There was just one print struck that he, that, you know, he had done personally because he knew his movie was going to be taken away from him and reshot some of it and re-edited and he was furious um he actually didn't know it was (laughs) being done at the time and then they told him and then he saw it like and he was like this is shit i I hate this um and you know he said there's there's a copy of this you know there's a cut of this movie and i called my colleagues and i said hey there's a fucking another cut of this movie we need to find it and about a month later we fucking found it <laughs> and it's included and Randall was over the moon about it. 
Um, you know, so he he did a he did a commentary on the cut he didn't like. He did a commentary on <laughs> his cut. He did an interview. Like he was all about it. Then is he was a really great guy. Randall's and don't get me wrong, he, he's not. He's he's a truly a a great person. Another person that wrote scripts and <laughs> didn't really get credit for him, but he's got some stories to really tell one day, hopefully. Um, but yeah, no surf two was a blast to put together, you know, working on the, you know, the doc for that, especially with Fern champion, who was the casting director. She is, she's wild, man. That's old school Hollywood right there. She did her interview fucking drinking champagne. Nice. Like Fern is insane, but yeah, no, everything, especially the homegrown horror box set, which I think was the highlight for a lot of people. People love the ho- homegrown horror box set and man, talk about a project that I worked on for about two years. Yeah. That whole set was insane. I we, yeah. we worked on that. We worked on that movie, that whole set. Every one of those movies was a chore, you know, to, to go through, uh, to put together. I mean, you know, I, I don't think people understand that sometimes, you know, negatives, you know, you have the negative cut, you know, the, the film, but then sometimes, you know, the negatives in, in, in intact and it's the movie, but sometimes you have it done the cheap way where they transfer all the film to tape and then they edit the film on tape because it's going, you know, to home, home video. Well, all three of those movies was like, <laughs> <laughs> like that <laughs> you know so we actually had to edit we had to edit the movie you know we had to find the takes that they use especially like winter beast you know I, i've known mark for a, a long time and mark's like an uncle to me really truly and that's no joke uh, mark frizzell who produced the movie and is the creator of winter beast he's a very 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 good friend of mine um so when i told him like hey i want to release winter beast he was like oh yeah absolutely He's like, here's everything. And uh, Mark lives in a like a 20 room mansion and he just has Winter Beast stuff everywhere. And he just had boxes. And I was like, this is a fucking nightmare. Oh, my God. <laughs> and but yeah, I, I was like, I knew he had that work print of Winter Beast. I was like, I want that cut of the movie. You know, and it, even even after this, we could probably do more stuff with Winter Beast. Just so that's because how much we could probably make a fucking sequel to Winter Beast with all the footage we have. But anyways, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like really true filmmakers just making a movie. And and Fatal Exam was great. I mean, it was it, Fatal Exam was super cool because, you know, it was a movie that I really liked. I know that's like the least favorite in the set, but I really like it because I love the score by Carletta. It's just so fucking good. And, uh, you know, contacting, uh, you know, uh, Jack, the director and writer and editor of the film, um, you know, we were getting into production. I said, you know, what can we do? And he's like, well, Carol's my wife now. And I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. And he's like, well, actually, everybody in the movie is still really good friends. And we all like drink beer together on the weekends. And I was like, oh, shit. So he's like invited everybody over. And it was like six people in the commentary. Um, and we had interviews that day. It was just, it was like 12 hours dedicated to fatal exam. They were so, they were big troopers, man. They, they had like, they ate like breakfast, lunch, and dinner all doing the interviews and commentary. It was just a, they had a blast. They had a great day, you know, and got to relive everything. And it was, it, that's cool. You know, that's cool for me to see and, and have these people enjoy and, and, and kind of relive their moments of, 
where they didn't think this was going anywhere or they thought it was going somewhere and it didn't and it was depressing and now it got revamped and i mean fatal exam was not available like right it was never released on home video it was a movie that they self-distributed in st louis and then that's it it actually never had a physical release like officially it was just their own copies sold to the local video stores so that was a movie that was lost in in a way like you could find it like if you searched hard enough but it was a movie that was really really gone like if we didn't swoop in there and take the time to do it it would have been gone forever like if jack something happened to jack like who knows what would happen in that movie you know <laughs> so we were super excited about that the seller you know having kevin tenny kevin tenny's cut of the film yeah i mean just our, our recent releases there's just so much um story i mean i just get into it you know like as as time goes on with each release you know kind of getting my feet wet and getting more and more into it like i i just kind of go all out you know even like with the fear i don't know who else would be fucking insane enough and silly enough to release the fear and and and, <laughs> and make a 50 minute documentary about it and you know i i did two commentaries on that disc I did one with Greg and, and one with uh, the director and we went to <laughs> Santa's village. <laughs> we, took, <laughs> we took the crew up to Santa's village and we did the interviews where they shot the film. And I'm sure people are thinking like, what the fuck are people doing this with the fear? I'm like, the fear is like, uh, fear is just one of my movies that I, I adore and love. You know, I understand that people don't really care for it all that much but I love it. And I think there's a lot of, I think it's one of those like pinnacle, like, you know, even though it's not like a great movie, um, it's one of those films that kind of revolutionized like home video for movies doing really well. And it kind of kickstarted a whole wave of movies, even though like people are like, this is forgettable, but it, it did, it did extremely well on home video. Like the fear was everywhere. That's the thing. It's yeah. like anybody you talk to, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that box art. That's because yep. it was a huge <laughs> fucking hit. That's why it made millions of dollars on home video. Like it was a huge movie. And it's it's one of those. It's one of the very few movies around that time that was direct to home video that made a ton of money. And it was everywhere. Like and it, and it really kind of kickstarted that idea to make these movies. And that's why I think it's so special. You know, I, a lot, I know people just watch the movie and they're like, oh, this sucks. I don't like it. But there's actually like like a lot of backstory behind it. Like even Greg is the producer of the film. He, he got his start into casting and he was really good friends with Wes Craven. And he had all these clients and he put all his clients in a movie and he made this is his like entryway into Hollywood. And now he's like a Hollywood producer. You know, Greg's big time and he does great work and. He's like, I've never met, I, I know some Hollywood producers and their head is so above the clouds that they don't see you. And, and Greg's not like that. Greg is like really down to earth and has never let his success and, you know, quote unquote fame, like, you know, uh, kind of blur his reality on, on people and how to treat people. And he's just a really good guy. It was just a lot of fun to put that together, you know, and Greg was essential. And, and, the you know, he produced that documentary with me. Um, he was just, he was great to have on board. But yeah, it's just uh, all our recent releases, man. They just been, had so much fun and we have so much cool shit coming out. 
people are going to shit their pants. <laughs> like, can't they're, wait. They're, they're, yeah, the rest of this year is just insane. And next year and the year after, like the stuff that we have planned is just, it's going to melt minds and people are going to flip out. And then our partner labels too, man, our partner label, all that stuff that we're doing with partner labels, they're killing it. Fun city editions is insanely wonderful. Um, you know, uh, altered innocence is doing great work. Um, you know, utopia, uh, some of the even partner labels that aren't announced yet. I mean, Gunpowder Sky just had their uh, prospect that we did the 4K UHD on. Like our partner labels are killing it. Um, you know, it's just we have some big plans, and and everything's going a little too well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, you know, and the VSA stuff is is doing great, and you know, I I'm very partial to uh the the vsa stuff just because that's like my like that's the stuff i like grew up on and you know um i had a blast doing martial law because as soon as i was brought on board i was like all right let's do cynthia rothrock like we need cynthia rothrock movies and i was super happy to get martial law and do the special features on that and that's one of my actually favorite uh interviews is with uh, the producer director uh, Steve and, and and Cynthia and um, the uh, uh, stunt guy. I'm drawing a blank on his name, and I feel terrible right now. But yeah, it's just those three, and um, they did a great job of of um, you know telling stories. And it's super funny because I told him I said I'm a huge fan of these movies. Just know my questions might seem like I'm poking fun at you, but trust me, they're actually sincere questions and I'm just trying to be funny. And they all got it. Steve Pruitt, that's his name. Jeff Pruitt. No, Jeff, yeah, Jeff Pruitt. One of the best uh, stunt guys ever. And he worked with actually Jon Stewart a lot um, from Action USA. Uh, but he, Jeff Pruitt is actually safe <laughs> and not crazy. And owns a killer coffee shop in Georgia um, with his wife. Uh, but yeah, and then also he did a lot of the stunts for Scanner Cop too. And um, he's uh, he's crazy. Like he he he's actually like a really cool stunt guy because he was the type of person that um, I was like, okay, if we're gonna do this, but I feel it's dangerous, so I'm going to actually do the stunt. He wouldn't put his guys at risk. Because he knew, like, he was like, man, this is fucking crazy. We can do it safely, but it's still, you know, any stunt's dangerous. Um, and he would just get in, he would just do it himself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the Scanner Cop stuff, too. I forgot about that. Yeah, Scanner Cop, the 4K UHD. Um, it was it was kind of funny. I, I felt responsible for the 4K UHD because, you know, we were getting the Scanner Cop movies. And I, I said, hey, are you know, we got the paperwork done with Scanner Cop. Yeah. I was like, awesome. And I was like, I, I really love Scanner Cop 2. I was like, can we do Scanner Cop 2 on 4K UHD? And <laughs> they're like, maybe. And I was like, I was like, I just want Scanner Cop 2 on 4K UHD. I don't care. Like, we could put the first one on Blu-ray. I was like, I just want Scanner Cop 2 on 4K UHD because I think that'd be fucking cool as shit. And of course, of course, we're not going to just do one. We did both because we had, you know, great elements for both. But I'm I'm like I'm like a diehard like Scanner Cop two fan. 
Um, I love Skinner Cop 2. I think it's one of the best sequels ever made. I think it's one of the best, like, movies ever made, too. I, I'm obsessed with Skinner Cop 2, and I did a commentary on that with uh, with the director, um, Steve Barnett, who is one of the funniest motherfuckers on the planet. Steve was, <laughs> Steve was so appreciative with everything, and he's just, he's like, he's a Cormanite, and, you know, he he got his career from Corman and he has the craziest fucking stories. And I guess I could say this. He works for Disney now, which is fucking hilarious. But um, yeah, he, uh, he did a, you know, of course the commentary and interviews and everybody in Skinner cop two is amazing. Christine Hodge is still beautiful as ever and super sweet and love to do it. Um, I knew Patrick Kilpatrick, obviously, from class of 1999. I would never leave him alone for years um, because I would talk to him constantly. And it was so funny. I called him and I was like, hey, uh, Patrick, can you uh, like to do an interview? And he's like, please, please tell me, Brad, this isn't over class of 1999. And I said, no. I said, no, 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 no. He doesn't like to be called Mr. Kilpatrick. He, I was like, no, Pat. I was like, no, I promise. It's Scanner Cop 2. And he's like fuck yeah he's like let's do that he was like i love that movie and we did the seller too at the same time um but yeah, yeah he like <laughs> patrick's stories in the, in the in the doc they talk about it he he got so intense they would put like mattresses and blankets and pillows around him because he would fucking pass out after he was done scanning <laughs> that's how intense he was but yeah we had a great time making the doc about that obviously the doc on scanner cop 2 is like three times as long as the <laughs> on the one on the first i mean a lot of people from the first movie are uh, since passed away you know so that sucks uh but yeah no i just i love um i love that shit so much i have not yet seen the sequel to scanner cop i've seen scanner cop now you got me excited about that and i got all three of the new uh july releases sitting in my in my collection ready to go too so now i don't know what i'm gonna watch tonight it's, uh, i'm torn yeah it's scanner cop 2 is great I mean, it's, I mean, both movies are wonderful, um, but it's just, they, they really like, even Steve said in the, you know, when I was talking to him, I, I said, what did you like, how do you make like, he's like, we just kick everything up like two times. And that's what they did. Like he just, you know, they, they really went all out and uh, it feels like scanner cop two is like its own like universe because you have this character that comes in that wasn't in the previous movies who is the main villain and he kind of takes over the movie, you know, he's kind of the star. So yeah, it's um, pretty cool. Brad, thanks so much for coming on. Like obviously listeners, you can hear how passionate Brad is about these films and it comes through with vinegar syndrome releases. So go download the app, go to the store, follow them on social media. They're very easy to find. It's just vinegar syndrome on Twitter, Instagram. You can see everything that's, that's coming out. And that's where they make all the announcements. It's just all kinds of cool shit. And it's every single month. So they offer subscriptions a couple times a year. Jump on one of those subscriptions. You're never going to miss anything. And if you find a film that you don't like, you can pretty much always trade it or resell it for something that for the, for the same amount that you bought it for. So you got nothing to lose. Go support these guys. Brad, thanks again for coming on. Such a great show and all kinds of really great recommendations. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And yeah, anytime we'll do. We'll, I'll do top five anything. Thanks for listening to this deluxe show. And thank you for sticking with Force 5 for a whole year. 
Let me know what your favorite Vinegar Syndrome releases are. Hit me up on social media at Force5Pod on Twitter and Force5Podcast on Instagram. I try to reply to every comment on every post. I'm very interactive. And if you have something interesting to say, I will definitely read it on the show. And if you haven't already done so, please take a minute to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Intro and outro bumpers today come courtesy of Nate Spears. The top five list bumper was produced by me with music from Audio Binger. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and go watch some films from Vinegar Syndrome. Force 5.